0: Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me by Carol Tavris. One sentence summary Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me takes you on a journey of famous examples and areas of life where mistakes are hushed up instead of admitted showing you along the way how this hinders progress why we do it in the first place and what you can do to start honestly admitting your own My favorite quote from the author is History is written by the victors but it's victims who write the memoirs Carol Tavris. Everyone does it You do it, I do it, your doctor does it, lawyers do it, heck, even presidents do it! We keep our mistakes to ourselves. We hate to admit them. But why? And does that do us any good? Carol Tavris, a social psychologist, and Elliot Aronson, one of the top 100 psychologists of the 20th century, teamed up in 2007 to give us answers to these questions in book form. The book goes into the mechanisms in our brains which prevent us from admitting our mistakes, shows how this causes damage in all areas of life, and provides valuable starting points to finally start manning up and admitting our mistakes. Here are three things to learn from the book. 1. You make up self-justifications to deal with the cognitive dissonance your mistakes create. 2. Confirmation bias can lead you to changing your entire morals. 3. Stop thinking you're stupid for making mistakes. Are you ready to admit your mistakes? What's that? Not yet? Alright, we'll work it out. Mistakes were made, but not by me. Lesson 1. You make up self-justifications to deal with the cognitive dissonance your mistakes create. This answers the question, why don't we like to admit our mistakes? Wow, so the title of this lesson was a mouthful. What does all that stuff even mean? Let's break it down so it's more easy to stomach. First. The reason you hate admitting your mistakes is because they create something called cognitive dissonance, which comes from having to deal with two conflicting ideas of who you are in your head. For example, most smokers know that smoking is bad and often talk about the downsides, how they know they should quit and how you should never pick up smoking in the first place, yet they still smoke. Instead of admitting that they're addicted to cigarettes, though, they make up self-justifications like, I don't smoke that much, so it's probably not that bad. These justifications sadly make us cling even more to our bad behavior, because once we've made them up, we go looking for evidence, even when there is none to be found. This is called confirmation bias, and it can lead you to not only believe in very shaky evidence, but even spin contradictory evidence, or the absence of evidence altogether, in your favor. Mistakes were made, but not by me, lesson two. Confirmation bias can lead you to changing your entire morals. This answers the question, what are some of the consequences of not admitting our mistakes? Confirmation bias goes in fact so far that it can change your morals altogether. For example, from someone who would never steal to someone who thinks it's actually okay. To illustrate this, Therese and Aronson created a beautiful metaphor, the pyramid of choice. Imagine two people with the same morals are given the chance to steal $500 from the cash register at work. Before making their choice, they stand on top of a pyramid. They can see all the possible paths that lead down, all options and all consequences of their actions. One of them decides to steal, the other decides not to. So once they start descending on their different paths down the pyramid, they both lose their bird's eye view and can only see the narrow path they've chosen for themselves. Because of self-justifications and the confirmation bias, each of them will become ever so sure that their path was the right one to take. When they reach the bottom, they end up at totally different ends of the pyramid, with completely different views of morality. One thinks it's okay to steal, the other has become even more certain that stealing should never be done. Mistakes were made, but not by me. Lesson 3. Stop thinking you're stupid just because you make mistakes. This answers the question, how can we start admitting our mistakes more honestly? So, what can you do to stop this self-reinforcing cycle of not admitting mistakes, making up excuses, and then confirming those excuses? Simple, start admitting them. Yes, I know, it's hard. But here's a good reason why you should do it anyway. Because your Asian friends who are better at math than you do, do too. Uh, what? In a study that compared US education to Chinese and Japanese schools, it was found that US students were embarrassed to make mistakes, so that they'd never tackle difficult math problems in front of the class. In China and Japan, the kid who did the worst had to go up to the board and redo the exercise until he got it right, with support from the class. Asian culture sees mistakes for what they are, part of life. And instead of burying their heads in the sand, they proactively admit and deal with them. So don't, mis- don't make mistakes a part of your identity, you aren't stupid, you just used the wrong approach. Focus on criticizing your and other people's behavior, not who you or they are, and you'll develop the growth mindset you need to deal with mistakes the right way. My personal takeaways from Mistakes Were Made, but not by me, for 2017. Obviously, this is a very scientific explanation of where mistakes come from, why we don't like to admit them, and how this changes our behavior or how this works against us. And I really like this way of breaking it down because you hear failure is great everywhere, especially with entrepreneurship being so glorified these days. Everyone says, you need to fail, fail hard, fail fast, fail often, yada, yada, yada. But nobody talks about the hard part, which is you have to suck up to your failures and yeah, admit them and say, like, okay, so this was shit, like I, I made a mistake. It's it's really bad. Um, and that part is the part no one likes to talk about and no one wants to admit to, because while everybody gets that failure is an important part of the learning process, nobody goes for failure right off the bat. And so what I would encourage you to do is to embrace failure sort of, I want to say quote-unquote with open arms when it happens, but to not glorify it in a sense that you should actively strive to, to make mistakes. So what I would consider myself as doing is, I'm constantly doing things that might not work, but I'm never doing things that I know will be mistakes. So I don't set out to do something that, fails from the get-go just so i can say oh i made a mistake here's something i can learn from no i of course try to do it right and try to make something that's going to be successful but i know i'm very much aware that when i try a new concept for a blog post or i write a book or or create a product or something that there's a very decent chance that it might not work out people might not buy it people might not read it people might not want it so there's a chance of failure but that just comes at the expense of this being an experiment and having also the chance to be super valuable. So, there's a fine line between doing something that's bound to fail and doing something that has a chance of failing, and then openly embracing those mistakes, learning from them, being honest and transparent about them, and moving forward with them. Personally, for me, as a kid, it was really hard to say sorry, it was really hard to admit, and especially in a personal context, I think that's really important. I'm slowly getting better. And I hope after listening to this audiobook, you will too.